this morning, I just want to very quickly share about fruitfulness. Um, fruitfulness is something that if you've been in church, you've heard about a bit. Um, in Genesis chapter 1, when the first recorded um, statement that God makes to man, the first recorded statement is prefaced by that charge. It says, be fruitful, multiply. So, and there are tons of scripture that speak about fruitfulness. But be fruitful is the very first thing that God says to man. And studying for this, I realized that there were tons of scripture that speak about fruitfulness. So if you don't mind in the next week, you can just check through scripture and you actually be surprised. Um, help me ask your neighbor, are you fruitful? If it's your first time at Life Point, we do this a lot. So we ask people to ask people to say something. So don't be upset too much. Uh, John chapter 15, I'll read from verse 1. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will, even be, it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you, will be like, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And all through this month, we've talked about healing, wholeness from John 5, 6. Do you want to be made whole? Um, and I... I then came upon a scripture which kind of shifted my focus a bit. And I think it's a good way to kind of wrap up this conversation. So Joseph um, in Genesis 48 has two sons. Who knows the names of Joseph's sons in the Bible? Bible scholars talk. Ephraim and Manasseh. Great. Correct. That's, in case you don't know, that's the pastor in charge of discipleship. Pastor Tolu. So he was just showing off. That's what's that's all. That's, that's Tolu. All right. Ephraim and Manasseh. If you read Genesis 40, let's keep John 15 on the back of our minds. Genesis 40, 50 to, 50 to 52. The Bible says, And to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore to him. Verse 51 says, Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second son he called Ephraim. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. So he had two sons. Ephraim and Manasseh. And Ephraim speaks about fruitfulness. And Manasseh speaks about healing and recovery. Genesis 48 is the scripture that I speak about. And verse 17 to 20. It says, Now when Joseph saw that 
his father. So his father was going to bless his two sons at the point of death. He was going to pass on. He says, I'm going to bless my two sons. But he does something that upsets Joseph. Um, he puts his right hand on the younger one and his left hand on the older one. Um, you should put the right hand on the one who is older. But, and when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. So he took off his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, not so, my father, for this one, Manasseh healing, is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know my son, I know. He shall also become a people, and he also shall be great. But truly, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, by you, Israel will bless, saying, may God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. And, he, and thus he set Ephraim before Manasseh, and thus he set fruitfulness as a priority. And that's what caught me. So essentially, the old man, the grandfather is blessing his two sons. And he takes Manasseh, Manasseh who's the older one, but essentially speaks about you know, healing and putting things together and recovery. And he's, he prioritizes the gentleman whose name is fruitfulness. I honestly don't know what his intentions were, but as I read it, it began to paint a picture in my mind about the fact that God, for some people, is trying to, as it were, draw your attention away from just that which needs to be healed, that which is incomplete, the work which he is doing, which is fantastic. And he's trying to say, look, could we together, you and God, prioritize your fruitfulness? He says, because that is the first thing. Um... And for me, you know, it set that whole thinking in mind. The fact that a number of us, every now and again, just get stuck in the mode of what needs to be fixed, what is not working yet, in the Manasseh mode. Um, where, you know, we, we kind of say, look, before I bear fruit, I must see all the manifestations of my healing. And I like the fact that he essentially to reach to one son, on the other hand, he, he, he reverses an order. So Joseph in his mind says, but Manasseh is older than Ephraim. My circumstances surely are older than my fruitfulness or my destiny. But God says, not exactly so. If anything, your circumstances have arrived so that your fruitfulness can find expression. So God says your potential as a person, your ability to bear fruit, was before all the circumstances that you are now dealing with. In God's order, all things or circumstances work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So your fruitfulness is very important. Your Ephraim is very important. Um, a tree is most beautiful when it is bearing fruit and blossoming. You're, you're most beautiful. You're not most beautiful when you have your, um, I was going to say Mary Kay. Is that, is that, that's right, right? That's correct, Tolu. 
you know. <laughs> How you know, I don't know. But okay, but you're not, you're not most beautiful when you have your Mary Kay on. You're not most beautiful when you're wearing uh, your loveless dress. You are most beautiful when you're bearing fruit. Because that's when you show who you really are. That is your essence. Let me, let me tell your neighbor just with an attitude. Tell them you've not seen my full beauty yet. I know that, that person didn't hear. Let me tell the other person then. <laughs> tell them you've not seen half of my beauty yet at all. And our true beauty comes when we bear fruit. Please don't forget this. The first thing that God tells man when he creates him, be fruitful. Be fruitful, be productive, be fruitful. And so, so what happens when you see different trees of, is that the mango tree doesn't look across to the pawpaw tree. You guys know what pawpaw tree is, right? You know pawpaw, because not all of you are from here, right? <laughs> and, and envy it and say, oh, look at its fruit. Because they are differently commissioned. Uh, their harvest seasons, their fruitfulness seasons are different. Their patterns are different. In fact, the people who like the fruits are different. Uh, my daughter, for some reason, likes watermelon, but doesn't like, um, what does she like? Pineapple. I can't understand this. I was saying to her yesterday, Papa is sweet, very sweet. Watermelon is like diluted. She's like, no. But it's, it's the, the thing is, it's the beauty of the watermelon. It's the fact that they have a customer, as it were, in my daughter. So it's that discussion I want us to have this morning. The fact that our fruitfulness is very important to God. When we read John 15 that we just looked at, he speaks about the fact that God has called us to bear fruit. I just mentioned a couple of areas that we're called to bear fruit in. And just what God has put in my heart, especially for us as individuals as in a church, about fruitfulness in this season. Help me look somebody in the eye and say, where are your fruits, by the way? <laughs> It's, it's, it's extremely, extremely important. I was going to have this big table here with different types of fruits, but as plans go, I, <laughs> I don't have it. So the first thing I'd like to say in terms of what kind of fruits should we bear, one, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. It's one of those things we all know, but oftentimes have no clue about how to get into motion. Right? So what, what are the fruit of the Spirit? Please tell me, church. Love. Speak out. Long driving. What is that? Speak out. Speak out, guys. Come on. Oh, this. Uh, thank multimedia. How do you do that? How do you put it up? <laughs> if I should put it off and have someone from multimedia come and tell us. But love. Now they take it off. <laughs> love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control, fruits of the Spirit. How do you bear the fruit of the Spirit? Because I find that the fruit of the Spirit are primary to bearing quality fruit in other aspects of our life. And I find that the fruit of the Spirit is even more important than even understanding how to speak like a Christian or talk like a Christian. There are Christian terms. I don't know if you know the Christian phrases. When someone says, how are you? Say, it's, it's well. It's well. <laughs> Let me tell your neighbor, it's well. It's well. But, but it's more important that you bear the fruit of the Spirit 
Um, in fact, I remember when Pastor Luby Johnson was here in August, and I was talking to him before he preached, and he was, I was talking about, we'll talk about the gifts of the Spirit. And he said to me that what he's found in his experience is that the gifts of the Spirit will build upon the fruits of the Spirit. If you find people who have the gifts of the Spirit, but are regressing in the fruits of the Spirit, that it will make a disaster of the whole thing. And it's even your fruitfulness in different areas of life depends on your ability to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And, and I want us to be able to take this whole fruit of the Spirit discussion out of a place where it's just theoretical. And, and we'll try and do that, God helping us. Um, there's the fruits of our mind, what we'll call our brainchild. I think it's in Ephesians 4.17. But Paul speaks to the Ephesian church, says, don't be like these people who the futility of their mind, the unproductiveness of their mind. It says because they have their understandings darkened. Uh, and, and so as I so as putting that, what kind of fruits should I bear? The fruits of the spirit, the fruits of my mind. And so I was asking myself, where, so there's a phrase we use called your brain child. So where, where are my brain children? I think that's a proper plural. In the West, and I think in life, we have this whole concept of capital that is more than that just what you hold. So we talk about intellectual capital and property. And there are lawyers who make a whole living from that. So where are our brain children? The Bible speaks about the knowledge of witty inventions. And I was putting my notes that when was the last time that I created something original? In thought, in speech, act of substance. When was the last time that I brought forth fruit from my mind. It doesn't have to. If someone writes a poem, Adam, I don't know if she's here today. She writes very nice poems, you know, and it's the fruit of her. When was the last time Falabi writes songs? You know, when was the, and it doesn't have to be a song or a poem. What, you know, whatever. When was the last time Tolu does codes? When was the last time you brought something? So let me ask somebody, you know, what's, what's the fruit of your mind? <laughs> ask them, they won't be upset, ask them don't be too weighed down by thinking Just ask them, where's the fruit of your mind okay, uh, there's the fruit of our hands, the fruit of our work, so this is the business that we do our enterprise uh, Colossians 1.10 says that we will bear fruit in every good work, pleasing growing in knowledge of God the fruit of our hands, so the things that we do uh, there's the fruit of our bodies and children when time comes, both physical and spiritual and I say this to someone here, that, um, you know, it's Isaiah 51, the Holy Spirit reminded me of it as I was coming up. It says, talking of Abraham, it says, remember Abraham, the rock from where you were hewn. It says, well, when I called him out, it was just one. And for someone here, just to understand that God's work in your life does not stop with you. God's work in your life does not stop with you. Very important. It doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter. In fact, your physical children are just a reminder that God's work in your life does not stop with you. And because due to one or two things we've been taught, it's not even proper to now have 7, 10, 20 children anymore, even though some of us desire such, but the exchange rate advises otherwise. <laughs> um, but there are children that you would have that are beyond just your physical children. And someone says, ah, no, me, I don't. But there will be, there will be, and this is human, this is not just the fruit of your mind, this is not just the fruit of, the, this is actual people that you would 
So Paul would say to the church, a whole church, he would say that you have many guardians but few fathers. He would speak about a man who in prayer is traveling to birth until you are birthed forth into Christ. There are people who God has ordained to come into the fullness of themselves and purpose by the things that you will do in this life. So God's work in your life does not stop with you. Your life is not a bus stop. It's not a terminal. It's not the end of it. There are tons of people on the other side. So, so yeah, fine. So the fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of my body, the fruit of my mind, the fruit of my hands are work. So how, how do we engage fruitfulness? Because we could just come this morning and I could say to you, be fruitful. And then you just shout, amen. And then I really like that part of church where the mother pastor, and then shout it more. You shout, amen. And we're going, amen, amen, amen. It's a bit of a frenzy. It's really cool. I like it. I like it. But my worry is that that does not necessarily translate into fruitfulness. Because God's grace is manifested both in power and in wisdom. So if the person next to you said to you, please, Pastor Tolu Adelawa, how can I be fruitful? What will you say? This is where Tolu's heart misses a beat because he thinks <laughs> I'm about to give him a mic <laughs> to then complete this. But three things I've noted in my notes, and I think, you know, um, I, I really know that God wants us to put this to mind today. I know this. I know this. Um, because I'll I tell you why I know this. So anyone who's been at LifePoint for a while, you know that we're a, we have a mother church. Um, and I have a pastor, my pastor Godman Akinlabi, and Pastor Bolaniwa Akinlabi are my pastors. And so what happens every now and again is when I'm, when I'm preaching or teaching, so on the morning I would probably listen to Pastor Godman teach or preach. This morning he was teaching a 7.30 service. And what tends to happen, I've seen this happen quite a bit in this year, is that, I'm, so this morning I'm, what, I'm listening to the service and uh, PG's quoting scriptures out of my notes. He's teaching on something totally different. I think by the time he had quoted like the fourth or fifth scripture, I was like, yes, I'm in the spirit because we had not compared notes and I assure you. He's, he's teaching on something totally different. Then there are phrases out of my notes. I'm like, yes, ah, I, I tried. I'm not, I'm not doing too badly. <laughs> so rest assured, I'm sure that God wants us to hear this. I'm very sure. The first thing to note about fruitfulness is the importance of seeds. I know people are very scared when you come to church and hear seeds. You just hold your wallet, you hold your ATM card. <laughs> like I knew it. I shouldn't have been in church today. <laughs> but trust me, this is more than just money. In Genesis, um, God introduces the concept of seeds during creation. And um, if I heard someone once say that when God says be fruitful, he actually says that you are seedful because you need seeds to produce fruits. You need seeds to produce fruits. You need seeds to produce fruits. Uh, the Bible says whatsoever a man sows, that will he reap. Psalm 126 and 6 says that those who go out weeping, carrying, or bearing precious seed. He says they will return with joy. 
Um, my question is, look, what seeds has God given you for, and our fruitfulness is in different areas, and, but for the different areas of our lives that we need to be fruitful in, what seeds have God, has God given you? Because God is not an evil person. He won't send you to be fruitful if he has not given you seed to sow. So what seed are you carrying? What seed are you carrying to be fruitful? Um, what should I be sowing now? We all have different quantities, types, capacities of seed. Essentially is that if you despise your seed, what it means is that you despise your fruitfulness, as it were. Um, well, it's fancy. I'm using a lot of examples with my daughter today. That's good. But my daughter, so I, I said to the, I called, we have a little couple of hedges in the house, and I called the gardener who normally comes to help me take care of it. I said, please, some are overgrown. Please come and um, come and help trim and all. And Ogogos, my eight-year-old, she was right, sitting right beside me. She says to me, Daddy, when is he coming? So I say, maybe tomorrow or the day. She says, okay. This is what needs to happen. Obviously, in the last couple of weeks, she's come up with this project where she's trying to grow watermelon in, in, in the house. I don't know why. <laughs> but she's then planted what, and she, so she, when we go home, she says to me, look, this is where, this is the watermelon. It started to grow. Tell the gardener, he must, this is, he must not, he must not cut anything here. My mother's just like, well, <laughs> you know, but, and then when Ogo came, I think later, she reminds her too, the gardener is coming, he must not, but how did she get to that place? It was just the power of seed that she come, she's come to understand. The fact that someone has showed this is watermelon seed. And then she's taken it and then she's planted it. So in Genesis, you know, God talks about every uh, plant with seed and the ability to recreate. Um, thank you. I think, uh, and, and I wonder what seed you and I are carrying. Because, like I said, if you do not recognize your seed, it means you do not recognize your fruit. And toss, it means that you do not recognize your harvest. Um, I mean, the word of God is the master seed. If you read, I think it's Mark 4, 14, when Jesus talks about the parable of the sower, he says the farmer sows the word. The farmer sows the word. So the word of God is the master seed. It's the seed that creates all seeds. In fact, when we talk about us, you know, bringing forth the fruit of the Spirit, one suggestion I need to make to someone here today is that there is something to be said for how much you put the Word of God in your heart. There is something to be said for how much study you do of the Word of God. The Bible says in Psalm 1, verse 2 to 3, talking about the blessed man, that his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, God's law, he meditates day and night. The Bible says he's like a tree planted by the streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaves do not wither. The Bible speaks of us in 1 Peter 1, 23. It says we're born again not of corruptible seed, but of the word of God which lives and abides forever. And in this season, one challenge I must raise to all of us 
is to take God's word like seed that is able to produce fruit in our lives. So when you study God's word, let it not be from the, they said I should do quiet time. Let me just read. Uh, but it's like you're planting into yourself. The, the psalmist will say, how will a man, uh, it says, how does a man prevent himself from sin? It says, your word have I hidden in my heart that I would not sin against thee. And there's someone who's been struggling with a sin or with a habit. And God says, look, if you would please sow this seed, you would see the fruit that you want. For when we looked at Galatians 5.22, and it speaks about different fruit of the Spirit, okay? So goodness, who is a member of the choir, is a fruit of the Spirit. And there's joy and there's peace and all that. But how, because it's a bit frustrating, to be honest with you as a Christian, if you've been in church for a while and you still cannot find the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And, and I, I, I I reckon with that challenge because I have felt it before. And what it is is that a Christian who does not sow the seed of the word in their life will find it difficult to grow the fruit of the Spirit. Second Peter 1, uh, again speaking of the fruit of the Spirit, Second uh, Peter 1, 5-9 says this. It says, for this very reason, Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. Verse 8, and I like this, it says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, in increasing measure, it says they will keep you from being on ineffective and unproductive. This translation says they will keep you from being barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, but whosoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their past sins. So our seeds are important. And, and it's, it's because this place he describes here is a place of frustration. It's a place of frustration. And there's someone in service today who is actually frustrated with being a Christian. And the challenge I have is that you have not planted any seed, so you can't see any fruit. So, first, first base, the seed is important. And, and for someone, more than just the word of God, there's seeds that God has put in your hands in this season that you need to sow. That you need to even recognize. Some of us, it's skills, passion, talents in their raw form that we're ignoring. For some of us, it's your seed is a relationship. For some of us, your family is a, is a seed. For some of us, your current job is a seed. For some of us, it's material. Some of you have money. Uh, you have, some of you have favor. That's a seed for fruitfulness. So, one is recognizing the importance of seed. The Bible says, God is not mocked whatsoever a man sows that he will reap. In Galatians, it says, he who sows uh, to the spirit will of the spirit reap eternal life. He who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap destruction. So what should I be sowing now? How large is my store of seed? I think it's Second Corinthians 9.10 where the Bible says that he who gives bread to the eater and seed to the sower, that may he increase your store of seed and cause the harvest of your righteousness to overflow. So how large is your store of seed? What, what is seed to you? 
And what happens, the farmers will tell you, is that the man who disdains seed essentially disdains the harvest. The man who just says, oh, this is a backup seed, he doesn't understand that that's a plantation that he's carrying. So help me ask somebody next to you, what is, what is your seed? Do you have any seed at all? What is your seed? Second thing is the importance of engagement or fellowship. Choose which one you want. The importance of engagement or fellowship. Because the seed has to be planted. Jesus would say, if, I, if, if you abide in me and I abide in you. So there's an environment where your seed grows and there's an environment where your seed will not grow. There are actually environments where you are fruitful and environments where you cannot be fruitful. Um, environments, and, and I think it's important at this stage where we talk about fruitfulness that you take... Um, a view about where you are in different places. So, are you in hatred, strife, envy, or are you in an environment of love? Are you in an environment where there's cooperation that inspires you, or where there's competition? Are you in an environment where there's humility that attracts God's grace and causes things to grow, or an environment where there's pride? Are you in an environment where you are isolated or an environment where you are connected? I, I like to say, I mean, that the parts of our body, and that's the analogy that you know, God uses ever so often to describe the church. For example, the liver. The liver functions best when it is vitally connected in a human body. And the same way I like to say that Christians function best when they are connected to the church. And I mean with the church, I mean more than just this church. I mean the church, the body of Christ. And so in John 15, he speaks about one of the keys to being fruitful is for us to be planted in God and in his body. So pay attention to where you are. I made a small note here that says the, the closest relationships, your closest relationships often tend to be where the fruit of the Spirit uh, tends to be first manifested. It's interesting because you can't fool other people. The Bible says you can fool people who are far from you. The Bible says Jesus looked at that tree. It says, and the tree had leaves, so he recognized it. It says, but as he came near it, desiring fruit of it, he found none. That was the tree that Jesus cursed. So pay attention to what is happening with those closest to you. I find that people find it easy to walk in strife with people very close to them and to be chummy with people who they see on Sunday only. But pay attention to God. Stay where God can hear you and where you can hear God. Your environment matters. The ability to build intimacy with God is one that breeds uh, fruitfulness. When God says, open the door of your heart so that I may come in, he's not just talking to someone who's not born again. He's talking to a church. So you can be you can have a relationship with Jesus, but essentially have him in the outer room. So what environment does your fruit need for it to grow? And that means different things to different people in service today. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Um, 
It's in Isaiah, I think, 37 and verse 13, where it says, speaking of the remnant of Israel, it says, they will take root downwards and bring forth fruit upwards. Um, I just want to say this for someone. Let's try and put all this together. For someone, the fruits you need to bear for the works of your hands, there is, you are not in the environment that even encourages your seed to thrive. You have nobody who is encouraging you. You have nobody as a mentor, as a colleague. You have nobody who is even putting pressure on your seed, not in a competitive manner, but even just somebody who you can look across and say, this is what I am doing, you know, and say, okay, let me do the same, or this is what I have done. And you need to prayerfully create that environment. It's extremely, extremely important. Extremely important. The last thing talking about fruitfulness. I've spoken about the importance of the seed, the importance of environment, of fellowship. Is that whole principle of what I'll call concentration or focus, where you learn how to build and sustain momentum, just persistent, where you, where you learn to avoid distractions, where you understand that your fruitfulness cannot be measured or defined by the fruitfulness of another person. I say to my close friends that the challenge with Lagos that I see is that there is a very subtle competitive spirit. It manifests in the way we drive here. You know, sometimes, I was just yesterday, we're going out, telling or go, why do people struggle? Why do we drive rough when there's no... I can imagine there's an emergency, there's bombs, we're all trying to, we're all driving like you're crazy, but... It was Saturday morning or something. I was like, there's no traffic. Why are we driving? Like, there's something pushing us. Um, and it's just that, you know, competition and striving where, you know, nothing is good enough and people are measured by how they rank with somebody else. The Bible says, from glory to glory, from precept to precept, says the path of the righteous, Proverbs 4.18, it's like a shining light that shines brighter and brighter. The ability to keep on your path, regardless of what is happening across or with other people, is extremely important. Uh, when we read Second Peter 1, it says to have these qualities in increasing measure. So the ability to take momentum in your life and to continue to build upon it. Um, I say, look, Record your testimonies. You, are, you know how God is working with you. Record your testimonies. Recite your testimonies. What is it that God has done in and through your life already? Record them. So when the Bible will speak about God and Israel, he will say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob so that the children of Israel would not lose sight of the momentum that God had built through generations. Um... The Bible speaks in Mark, I think when you read that parable of the sower, about the fact that the word will come to some people, the seed will be planted. It says, but it did not take root. You read Mark chapter 4 and 17. It says, since they have no root, they last only a long time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The fruit that you would bear is, um, there's a process to it. Don't jump out of the process. This is very important for someone. Don't jump out of the process. Don't jump out of the process. Um, again, our city 
Um, so, so what so what happens in certain cities abroad is that you don't have to be quote unquote successful to be comfortable. Okay, so you can get on a train and go from one place to the other without necessarily being super successful. Um, what you find in developing countries is that you have to be successful to even be comfortable at all. But what that does is that it gives us the wrong metrics for life. So we are all, we measure success by when the guy buys his car. Um, in other countries, people work successfully for 10 years and don't think of buying a car. The problem with that is we then think, okay, the bigger my car is, the more successful I am. But the challenge is that the, your car is not a fruit. The brand of your car. So when you buy a message, you're like, oh, yes, I have arrived. I have left all the Mimica that are driving a Honda. You know? <laughs> and then when you buy like a Range Rover, you're like, God has now made me fruitful. It's a lie. That's not, trust me. Trust me. It's just a mode of, of transportation from one place to the other. But because when God is going to ask you about your fruit, when God, who is the husbandman, God, he says that the tree that does not bear fruit, he says God is unhappy. When he's going to ask you about your fruit, I promise you, he will not ask you about the brand of car you drove on earth. I promise you. He will make no reference to the brand of clothes you wore. He doesn't really care whether your wig was Asian, Peruvian, or India. He doesn't really care. And it looks like these are just female things. So what are the guys? He doesn't care whether your team was Arsenal, Man U. He doesn't really care, to be honest with you. Arsenal preferred, but he doesn't really care. Okay. So what, what is fruitfulness to you? If you take yourself out of that pressure of the rat race, what seed has God given you? So, and it's the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of what is, what is on God's mind concerning you. I, I keep saying this to people, please do not post-date your future. or your, so Do not post-date your purpose, that's what I say. Do not keep looking to the future and saying, oh, when I'm 35 or when I'm 40 or when I'm 50, then I will become fruitful. Then my life will make an impact. It's a lie. This is the day that the Lord has made. I try to end Mark 4, 28. The Bible says all by itself. It says the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kennel in the head. He says as the grain, as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, then the harvest comes. And he describes a process of momentum, a process of growth. He says when you, the seed is put in the ground, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kennel in the head. And this word is for someone who's only seen the stalk in your life and you are desperately unhappy. Because dummies, full kennel has shown up. And God says, ah, no, hang on, hang on. Don't, that's, not, she might just be grain maize and then your grain, something a lot more precious, just might be, no, no shade to you, dummy. And so my question to us as a church is how, you know, because I just, you know, preparing for this, I just realized, look, we can get caught up in trying to become comfortable or successful by the measure of man. 
but we totally forget about being fruitful as God has called us. When I was in the university, um, I think my last exams, I remember going for a prayer meeting, the scripture God gave me was from Isaiah 54. Uh, verse 1 it says to rejoice, O barren, who would not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor, for the desolate has more children than she who has a husband. God is in the business of making people fruitful. Psalm 92, and I think we'll pray from that this morning. Um, it says, even in old age, she will still be bearing fruit. So those three things, please do not forget that every one of us has a store of seed. Every one of us has a store of seed. Your seed is important. Your environment is important. And there's an environment in which your seed can thrive. The Bible says that seed has to be planted. And the Bible says there is a process for fruitfulness. It says first the stalk, then the head, then fork. And I'm learning how to take and celebrate testimonies. And God will tell the people of Israel, write these things down so you can remember them. And the reason a lot of us get unhappy so quickly is because we forget what God has done even just last month. This morning, I would like us to pray for three to five minutes and essentially just declare over our lives that we will be fruitful and that we will bear the fruit that God has called us to bear. That we would not keep glancing across to other trees and saying, but that tree is bearing such big watermelons when you are just when God has called you to bear beautiful pineapples, that we will not despise our seed, that we will not take our seed and put it in the wrong ground, and that our seed will take root inwards and bring forth fruit upwards to the glory of God. I don't know who that person is who's been deeply frustrated by the lack of progress or fruit or outcome in their lives. Tonight or this morning, I'd like you to please just pray to God because he's the husband man. I don't know who that person is who knows that they are totally disconnected from God. You cannot see the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And, you know, and the reason, perhaps, is because you have not put the seed, the master seed, which is the Word of God, in your heart. So I'd like to give us this time to just, in contemplative prayer, just talk to God. The Bible says that as Jesus, the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, says, as he spoke to us, did our hearts not born within us? I don't know. At what junction in our discussion this morning, your hearts have burned within you. And I'd like you to take that fire, little big as it may be, and take it to God this morning and say, Father, this is me. Make me fruitful. This is me. Make me fruitful. He says of, of, of Abraham, he says, he was just one when I called him. He says, but I made him a mighty nation. He says, sing, O barren. Sing, you who has not been fruitful. He says, because... The children, the fruits of her that was without child are more than the fruit of those who people said had a husband. I'd like you to please return to God this afternoon and just speak to him about your life. Father, we thank you.